Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jeff is not here at the moment. He had an emergency, but he should be back for half number two. So we brought Alex in front of the camera. Alex's uh, camera debut, his podcast. Jazz hands. Camera. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Debut. So welcome to Alex. We've got a great show planned for you guys today. But before we get into all of that, please remember to like and comment and subscribe. And tell people about our podcast. Tell people about our podcast. Do you have a special uh, person to listen to the podcast this week, Luke? Tell somebody that forges iron. Wow. Ooh, a blacksmith. Tell a blacksmith. Ooh. Yes. Someone called them a blacksmith. Uh, Someone that forges iron. Tell them to listen to our podcast. (laughs) They will love it. It is about music. Stay informed. We have music news every week. Yes. Uh, We've got a great show planned. Yes. Right? What uh, What else are we doing? Because we got music news, but we have a couple other fun segments. We today. are going to go over the year 1998, everything that what happened musically. The year Alex was born, just to throw that out there. Very, uh, very exciting. Yeah. And then we are going to choose our favorite albums from said year. Then we are going to go full on Iggy Pop and talk about <laughs> the new Iggy Pop album yep. we are going to talk about the stooges debut record and then we are also going to touch on iggy's classic lust for life yes it's so an iggy fest it will be an iggy pop fest in the second <laughs> half of the show hopefully <laughs> jeffrey makes it back for yes. that yes yes let's roll the music roll the music give us that theme song wow All right, there we are. So I would like to open up the show okay. with a rest in peace. Yes, the breaking news. Yes. Breaking um, news. Jeff Beck has passed. Um, this was released uh, about an hour ago of the show, and this show is recorded on 1-11-2023. Uh, so he passed yesterday, which would have been the 10th. Um, it said he had... Um, I got gotcha. you. Bacterial meningitis. Bacterial That's meningitis. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, a sudden, uh, a sudden, yeah, really short. Yes. So, um, he Some was case. of old age and is very sad. Um, one of the most iconic guitar players of all time, if not the most iconic guitar player of all time. He joined the Yardbirds in 1965 after Eric Clapton left the band. Um, he was suggested by Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page, who were studio musicians who thought very highly of him. Yeah. Um, he went on to form the Jeff Beck group with Rod Stewart and uh, Ronnie Wood. Uh, and then would go on to do albums such as Blow by Blow um, and in the 70s. And that's produced by uh, – is that produced by George Martin, uh, oh, who really? is the Beatles producer. Wow. Was that yes. released on Apple? No, that's a no. Uh, released on Epic Records. Okay. But, um, yeah, so very cool album there. And that's all instrumentals and uh, highly fusion and great guitar playing. And it's one of Jeffrey's favorite albums, which is a shame because I was he was here to uh, talk about it. He loves it so much. But um, – I think we're pretty big Jeff Beck fans here in I'd the say, room, yeah. um, especially like you know his early work um, with the Jeff Beck group, and it's very sad. Um, if you haven't experienced everything Jeff Beck has to offer, uh, Rod Stewart once rocked his face off. If you've never known, and um, <laughs> the Jeff Beck uh, 
first album, uh, Truth, has great Rod Stewart singing, great Jeff Beck playing on it. Yeah, Ronnie I love Wood. it so much. It's very dear to me and Mike's heart. Um, you know, for like, sure. And he, I mean, as a guitar player too. You know, he famously was a Les Paul kind of guy. That's why on the cover of Blow, Blah Blow, you see him holding the Les Paul guitar. But then he moved on to the Strat style thing, and that seemed to have suited his style a lot more in the way that, you know, you've got the whammy bar, the trem bar, whatever you want to call it. He does a lot of interesting things. He's not really or wasn't really predominantly pick plectrum to have the UK term, style of a player. He was sort of like a fingers guy, but he would do all kinds of interesting things with his tone knob and his volume knob. He was always good for like doing something and then hitting a swell and kind of doing some stuff. His later stuff, I wasn't a really huge fan of. Blow by Blow is where things kind of start to take a left turn for me in terms of what I like from Jeff Beck, I would say. Absolutely. However, the early stuff, especially Truth, I love that album. Uh, I think it was a great match with Rod Stewart and... And I think it's one of those things where, like, you know, man, you know, Eric Clapton did Cream and then did Blind Faith and then did, you know, Derek and the Dominoes and then John Mayall and the Blues Breakers before that. You know, Jimmy Page clearly obviously had Led Zeppelin after the fact, after Yardbirds came and went. Jeff Beck, I feel like sometimes, you know, he's the guitar player's guitar player. Uh, those who know, know. But I feel like Jeff Beck and the Rod Stewart and the Ronnie Wood lineup is one of those things that kind of I don't know if it would I, I don't know would you say gets forgotten about because I don't think it was, it's I don't think it's forgotten about it's just sort of overshadowed by the Clapton thing that happened and think, then the uh, Led Zeppelin thing that also happened so it kind of gets shadowed over. I think Jeff Beck is more of a solo guitar player as well. Sure, because, yeah, uh, he yeah. never did sing, and I feel like he just is you know because he did a lot of. Uh, you know, solo, just guitar albums right, um, right. at a point in his career. So I think he's more thought of, like you're right, as a guitar player, as a guitar player, a virtuoso right. of, if you will. Yeah, um, one of the, really one in, of the first. Yes, you know? the, one of the first big virtuosos. Yeah. Um, Check out like an early virtuoso song, uh, Under, Over, Sideways, Down, has one of the most crazy, complicated riffs of the era. Right, um, right. But if you look at, not to cut you off, but if you look at like, Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and John Petrucci, yep. these guys who are like well, the virtuistic guitar players. You get blow by blow sorry. first. It starts here. This is really, yeah. well, you know, I mean, you had John McLaughlin with Mahavishnu Orchestra and stuff who was doing that sort of virtuistic yeah. sort of thing. Carlos Santana at the time, too, still, you know, doing his thing. Eric Clapton, obviously, all of those guys. But he, it seemed to be sort of the, I know I keep hitting your mic stand, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it seems to be really like the first kind of like, oh, this is like the guitar player is the guy. Santana had that too, but not like this. You know, um, Overshadowed was a, was a good word to say. There was just a yeah. lot at that time and he was a little bit forgotten about. And I want to mention this for Jeffrey as well. Um, he gave me some of his music news today to uh, recite. And uh, I want to mention this because, as we said, big fan of Jeff Beck. Jeffrey is. Um, and he, he mentioned to me that Blow by Blow is one of his favorite instrumental albums ever, actually. Yeah. Um, and he mentioned, you know, he fell in love with it in a cross-country trip when he was 15. And it was just like one of his best. So, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, Jeff loves that record, man. Um, I'd also like to um, shout out the solo of um, Looking for Another Pure Love on Stevie Wonder's Talking Book is a Jeff Beck solo that oh, right. I think is... oh amazing and, and another one that i didn't even really know was jeff beck till a couple years ago and more recently too 
on Ozzy Osbourne's last album, Jeff Beck's got two yeah. songs, I think, on that That's record. Right. Yeah. And those are great. Stro- those are some of the stronger songs, I think, on the Ozzy record. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, he still had it, and, you know, he will uh, he will be missed, man. Yeah. That's, Rest in peace. Yeah. That's so sudden. Yeah. Uh, I've got some music news. Let's hear it. All what right, so Marjorie Taylor Greene is beefing with Dr. Dre. Oh, she yes. used the Still Dre track uh, for... Let's, let's go backwards with that. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Dre is beefing with Marjorie Taylor Green. Oh, oh right. Yes. Right, 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 Rightfully right. said. I, pre- I appreciate the, yeah, the correction. He said the cease and desist. I, to be fair, I read the, I read the, the headline, so got it together. My man. There we go. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. You, but no, I, it's true. And, it, you know, this isn't the first time this thing has happened. Elton John uh, did the same thing to Donald Trump. There's been a couple of different things. I thought I saw. Everybody did it to Donald everybody Trump. Everybody yeah. did it to Donald Trump. Except the village people. The village people were the only band yeah, that let care. Donald Trump use his care. song. And that's why Donald Trump went out to the YMCA all the time. <laughs> Even though the YMCA is about... Uh, it's a, yeah. it's about uh, men finding love yeah. Uh, yeah. at the YMCA. You can get yourself laid there. Yeah, yeah. but Sting also, because it led me down like a little bit of a rabbit hole. Yes, please. So we have Sting versus George Bush and Al Gore. George W. Bush, that is. Um, ABBA versus John McCain. Ooh. Sam Moore of Sam and Dave versus Barack Obama. <laughs> Adele. Come on, man. No, that's a real no, thing. come on, man. Sam and Dave are like, you can't use it. And he's like, I'm the first black president. And they're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> what? Sam, nope. Sam and Dave, in, quote, two thumbs down. <laughs> quote, I have not agreed to endorse you for the highest office in our land. Uh, added, my vote is a very private matter between myself and the ballot box. Oh, that's respectful. That's so really respectful. So it's, you know, it's it is, right yeah. on. But yeah, Adele yeah. versus Donald I'm gonna, Trump. I'm going to say that Sam and Dave aren't being so right on in that moment. <laughs> I'm going to double <laughs> thumbs down Sam and Dave. Hold on, hold on. He's coming. Hold on. He's coming. Um, Bobby McFerrin versus George H.W. Bush. Oh, H.W. Oh. Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you can't be happy, not you. <laughs> what a prick. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Oh, he's worried and he's not happy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, listen, Queen versus Donald Trump was another one. I'm just yeah, gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep on with this one. You can't write a song called "Don't Worry, Be Happy" and then tell which people can be happy and which people can't. Okay, like, <laughs> sorry. Except you, asshole. He's like, um, there's no instruments in the song. It's my, my voice. One of my favorites, Survivor versus. Newt Gingrich, Mitt Romney, and Mike Huckabee for using "Eye of the Tiger." Can't oh. use it at all. Hart no. versus Sarah Palin. Oh, God. Pharrell Williams versus Donald Trump, and uh, yeah, that that wraps up at least eleven instances where that that has also Holy happened. Moly. But uh, thank you. You know, uh, Dr. Dre had said, "I don't license my music to politicians, especially someone as divisive and hateful as this one." So, you know, uh, diff- you know, different strokes yeah. for different folks. Marjorie Taylor Greene is, uh, you know, she's a controversial Congresswoman. So I understand it, I suppose. It's one of those things. I mean, really, at the end of the day, my opinion on the whole thing is regardless of whether or not it's pushing some sort of political thing or not, using music without like the pro- going the proper ways to actually like licensing music and stuff like that, I think that is just flat out wrong, regardless yeah. of any sort of political leanings or anything like that. Because let's be real, man. Who gets screwed over there most of the time anyway? It's the, the artist. artist. So I uh, I agree. I agree with uh, yep. Dr. Dre on this one, man, because, you know, he made his money and don't fuck with his money. You yeah, know? man. So, so there you go. Do I you? Uh, I got two birthdays. Okay, let's hear the birthdays. Happy 70th uh, birthday, birthday to Pat Benatar. Ooh, oh. <laughs> 
Right on. One Heart of the biggest breaker. hit makers of the right. early 80s. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Love is a Battlefield. Oh, Love is a Battlefield. Oh, yeah. uh, Hell is for Children. <laughs> <laughs> I think she has a song on Hell is for Children. That classic track. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me check that. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Good see. Uh, one more. Uh, happy 75th birthday to Donald Fagan. Um, oh, the man himself. Of singer, keyboardist. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Of the Dan, man. Can't can't hit on Steely Dan. I think Jeff is yeah. one of the top streamers of Steely Dan as well. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he is. He's top point zero. <laughs> they call him Steely percent? Jeff. Steely Jeff. Yeah, Pat Benatar definitely has a song called Hells or Children. Rock <laughs> on. <laughs> Rock and roll, Pat Benatar. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, um, uh, that's it for I, me. I got good. some more. Happy birthday. What else is going on, Mike? Okay. Uh, well, we're, uh, some people may know, some people may not know, but we are fans of the Austin Powers movie franchise. And yeah, there way. is an Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach box set coming out. Oh, that's very exciting. That sounds like fun. It's a collaboration uh, sort of thing. It's a deluxe LP. It's a two LP super deluxe and includes rare photographs reproduced studio note or session notes and an essay by Costello about working with Bacharach. It's got a bunch of live stuff, classic studio duet stuff. It's got, I mean, it's huge. It's four CDs and two LPs. I'm a pretty big fan wow. of the work they did. I believe they released an album in the late 90s when Austin Powers came out and then oh, yeah. they released, I believe, another one um, later on in the 2000s. Um, very exciting that it's going to get like a retrospective box set. Um, I think the sound that they made together was really interesting. It was yeah, a growth nice. in Elvis Costello's career and Burke Bacharach to work with uh, pop, punky attitude musician yeah. like Elvis Costello I think it really gives um a cool light and I mean I really always love those parts in the movie and uh, Mr. Burt Bacharach and Mr. Elvis Costello I think gave me my first love for uh what would be called bossa nova music so oh, um yeah very very cool Mike when is that coming out I'll never fall in love again oh when is it coming out uh oh, Michael I didn't get a release date I am so sorry uh, it, uh, I think it's just an announcement. So, okay. yeah, it's an announcement. So it doesn't seem like there's a set date for this yet. Right on. Did um, you see? March 3rd. I'm sorry. News. March 3rd. March 3rd. March 3rd. Oh. Did you see the Cagey Elephant singer got arrested mm. in New York? Cause he had, I like, did guns? see that. And he had like paranoid Whoa. notes. That's just like, I will defend myself if I have to. Yes. So what was going on? That, that doesn't come from nowhere, man. Maybe he's got a stalker or something. No. So he found um, he was in a Manhattan, uh, yeah, Manhattan um, Bowerly Hotel. And yeah. somebody reported that they saw somebody with a handgun in the lobby. Um, and they investigated, went up to his room and searched it, found the handgun. Um, New York. I'm not guns. sure of the handgun laws guns you're Plural. right Whoa. um i'm not sure of the gun laws in new york specifically but i know that they Super are very strict, right? very strict yeah, you're they're like not really allowed to own yeah. guns in the city of new york mm -hmm. or walk around with them at yeah. least um you can own them i definitely don't think you can like walk around with them though so um up to that uh he got you know arrested and um there wasn't a lot of uh details released and he did not release anything back um I hope he is okay. I am, uh, you know, I like that band. I think they release some good music. Um, and that's uh, really disappointing if something uh, nefarious happened. Uh, hopefully it was a misunderstanding. Um, also, in music news, did you see the Coachella, Coachella headline was released? Yes. Um, big news. Uh, it's like the forecast for the year of like what the industry thinks is hot. <laughs> um, obviously, it's K-pop. Uh, Blackpink headlining yep. one day. Bad Bunny um, uh, doing the one day. And then Frank Ocean doing the next. Oh, um, I think. Big news 
all people of color. Yes, that's are, what I was gonna say. This yeah. is the first lineup that does not have all white. Yeah, um, all white, all white people. Or yeah. just like you know. Um, so that's interesting. Um, Bjork is top on the list under Frank Ocean. We got Gorillas under Bad Bunny. Um, and Blackpink has uh, some artists that I don't really know. There is a lot of tiny artists on the list. Um, some interesting ones I saw were uh, Paris Jackson on oh, yeah. the list, which was interesting. And then our one of our favorites. Uh, Horse Girl. Horse Girl. Oh, it's very tiny. Going to Coachella. On the list. Um, so that's cool. It's very into that. Um, the Breeders are also on from the 90s. Kim Deal, Rock On. Um, so a lot of new artists I don't really know. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to, you know, see what comes out. Um, there's always going to be, like, some breakthrough performances of some people you didn't know. So Definitely. hopefully that happens. And, um, yeah, and also Calvin Harris is performing at some point. He's just randomly on the bottom of the flyer. It, it is says, a terrible flyer, though, isn't it? I hate the Coachella flyer. Yeah. I think it's absolute dog shit garbage. Right yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Coachella, exciting. Uh, I've got what I think one more thing here. You see, Demi Lovato's poster was banned in the UK for being offensive to Christians. I didn't. Oh, Ooh. I see. Yeah. Let me see. I saw. We'll the poster. show the picture right bang, there. It was banned. It was banned. Yeah, it like, was banned. I, like that's... banned, banned. I mean, the the name of we're the gonna, album is Holy s- Fuck. We're gonna stick it up for you. It's called Holy Fuck. Yeah, it's called Holy yeah, Fuck. I mean, um, it's, it's she's laying it's on a mattress in the shape of a cross, and she's in like bondage type. I'm not offended. Stuff. I mean, I'm not really offended either. You know, um, what can I, you do? It's I value America's uh, culture or uh, culture and anything goes release whatever you want. Um, you make reason with I know I'm saying do whatever you want. I don't care. Art is art. Um, <laughs> anything to like, you know, s- squash the expression. Yeah. Also, Madonna did this you know whatever in the 80s uh big pop star uh religious you know yeah. kind of motifs in the like a prayer video uh with the yeah, burning yeah, crosses yeah. and all that stuff That's right. so um this is kind of like not that shocking at all and um yeah like do, Mar- we, marilyn manson was on like trl every day like what are we and doing he was doing some heinous yeah. stuff <laughs> absolutely but apparently the uk's code for non-broadcast advertising says that ads must be prepared with a quote sense of responsibility and should not contain anything likely to cause serious or widespread offense i mean but it's the thing i mean really it's it's our it's that well, you know that's what happens when thing. the government it's, is kind of mixed in with the you know you can't really be uh you can release whatever you want but i guess to like the bbc like isn't gonna like promote it is right right, right. Yeah. so i mean is it offensive to me? No. Is it offensive to somebody? Probably. But, um, you know. Yeah, but it's that thing. It's the artistic thing. You're pushing the boundaries, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I say hashtag who cares. Hashtag who cares. Just let the, let the artists be artistic. Um, do your thing, 21. Do your thing, 21. Absolutely. Uh, do we have anything else? I don't have anything else. Uh, I have, like, Harry Styles. Uh this is legal Ooh. news. Order in the court. Uh, Harry Styles is suing uh, fake, oh, fake merch on the internet. Um, so he's uh, suing these uh, merchants on the internet that are um, selling fake Harry Styles merchandise. I'm sure you see them on Facebook and Instagram. It's all these unauthorized uh, merchandisers that are kind of, he believes, ripping off his fans uh, and him by not you know, getting a cut of those profits. Sure. Um, so... He is suing um, 
is unlikely. He's suing because I think that he he is interested in his law team is interested in digging up the names of those people that are like running those like yeah. scams because they're very widespread. There's so many underground bootleg T-shirts now yeah. um, from bands and artists oh, yeah. on uh, on the internet. Like we see all the time on like I said Facebook and Instagram, and I think he wa- they're looking to dig some of those names up. Um, so they're hoping the legal system will be able to help in aiding in that process um and to bring some of these things to light it is unlikely that they will really dig up what's behind going you know what's going on because various countries in this in that yeah it's kind of hard to things of that if it's a multi-international thing you know like shipped from right like a a lot of these things are multi-step processes where it's maybe like the business is stationed in america but the process is completely in another country so did it mention any any like websites in specific very vague very vague they don't they didn't really release a lot because i don't think they want to um get yeah, into it yeah, but um yeah. it was uh, just an interesting point out um I'm you sure know. it'll be a public case so when we hear about it we should definitely come back to it because that's that's big absolutely um yeah. does anybody have anything else zip no i think i'm good shall we move on to our i have one more thing to share with you guys okay i want to show you this video here of 1975 singer uh, oh did you see yes yes right here uh he, he is like he's straight Yep, I'm just going to you know, do one of these here. Uh, and uh, he is reaching out into the audience here. I'm going to play this for you guys at home. <laughs> and uh, somebody uh, reaches out and touches his face, and he just full-on puts their thumb in his mouth and just sucks it. It's real weird. Right. Um, Let me he's getting own. into it. He's embracing with his fans. Um, the <laughs> 1975, didn't they cut up meat earlier this year? He sat on stage and devoured a raw steak in front of like a static television. Yeah. Rock and roll. Rock I have no roll. idea what's going on with I mean, the we're 1975. We're going to be talking about Iggy later. So, you know. We did review the album um, and it seemed very much not on uh, the meat uh, <laughs> train. The, the, the meat, meat train, but train. like the <laughs> random stranger's thumb in mouth this guy's all about that all day oh, it's a strange God. move in a post-covid it's a world. bold move cotton <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a bold move cotton sh- um can we get the what is the guy's name the singer from the 1975 his no, name is matt what i don't remember his give name. me a, give on. me a name i need a name I need it, and yeah, I need it now. I'm computer today. I need it, so and I need it now. So far, I can't open now. page. What's going on oh here? Oh, my gosh. What's uh, happening with this the thing? The Wi-Fi. I'm no, the, I'm on the Wi-Fi. I am getting this. <laughs> so I got to be behind the computer. I don't understand <laughs> what's happening with this thing right now. I, I need to do an update. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, my God. My man. I, I pulled all of my music news. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Healy. Matthew, Matthew Healy. That's right. the yeah, singer yeah, yeah. from 1975. Every yeah, time I see it, I think of the Healy's. So, Matthew Healy. Healy's. Here's to more thumbs in mouth for the rest of the year. Let's keep it going. Um, and I'm down for the weird stage antics. Um, so cool. moving on. Uh, moving on. All right. Give so 1998. Moving on to 1998. So Alex had picked the year. So this is the recurring segment that we've yes. been having where Alex picks a year and we give you our top albums, what we believe to be our favorite slash top albums. From that year, the year is 1998 this week. I was a wee lad at nine years old. Luke was what, six? I was not that old. I'm 1992, 1993, 1994, 95, 96, 97, 98. Six years old. Alex was zero for half and then two months old. A little older than zero. for the. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was an interesting year. 
I don't know what you guys thought about it, but I found that there were some slim pickings. There, there were some big albums, but there yeah. were, I think there were some slim pickings too. So yeah, um, I'm gonna give you the rundown of what 1998 looked oh, like. Oh yes, please remind yes. me because I it's been a long time, so yes, I need to so, remember. Uh, 1998. This Alex, was the, 1998. The, the year of rundown. Alex, what what's your sign? Or your not your what's your Chinese zodiac? Tiger. Tiger. The year of the tiger. The year of the tiger. Here we go. I had the tiger. Uh, I had the tiger. January Don't say, survivor will sue us. Was uh, <laughs> devoid of news. So January was devoid. January nineteen ninety eight. Nothing's going Nothing on. Nothing really happened. <laughs> um, so February fifth, um, Judas Priest frontman Rob Halford uh, came out as gay for the first time in an MTV interview wow. uh, publicly. Wow, was that late? Yes. Yeah, so I that didn't was, realize it was, that was 1998 that wow. happened. Um, so that was a big moment in metal and music and yeah. I think changed a lot of people's perspective and hearts and minds. And I know a lot of people that me and Michael talk to to this day um, get their opinions based on like him and the way yeah. he lives his life. So yeah. um, much respect. Also, shout out to the S&M culture. Rob Halford doing it right. The leather daddy himself. Making a bunch of straight dudes <laughs> dressed like leather the daddies love it uh february 23rd um frozen the first single from madonna's eighth studio album ray of light was released the single is a worldwide hit peaked at number two on the billboard hot 100 and um became her first single to enter the charts at number one in the uk um that was a huge album ray of light giant madonna record um february 24th Elton John was knighted, a topic we talked about on the show last week when who was knighted? Uh, that would be Sir, um, oh God, Brian May. Sir Brian oh, May. Sir Brian May. Right. Thank of, you. Of Queen. Of Queen uh, was knighted, but uh, Elton John got his knighting February 24th, 1998. He was knighted by the Queen. I wonder um, if he like rubbed that in Brian May's face, like I was knighted. Sir Elton John. <laughs> Very important. Um <laughs> February 25th, the 40th Grammy Awards uh, took place. Time Out of Mind by Bob Dylan got Album of the Year. Oh, I did see that. Right? And did you see uh, who got uh, Record of the Year? No. Do you remember that song? Uh, The song is uh, Sean Colvin's Sonny Came Home. Do you know the song? I don't remember. It was Record of the Year. I don't remember it. Sonny came home with a list of names. You don't remember the song? Oh, Sonny yeah, came yeah, home. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, was it. That was record of the year. A, a song of, I barely remembered. Um, <laughs> that one really stood the test of time, didn't it? Very 1998. So, um, that was that. Uh, March third, Ray of Light ends up being released. It sells 16 million copies. Um, wow. It was produced by William Orbit. Um, and um, she converted to com- to Kabbalah that year, so that was also very exciting, very vi- uh, zeitgeisty. I do remember the Kabbalah bracelets, um, very big. So uh, March seventeenth, Van Halen three is released with Gary Sharon on lead vocals. Let's get excited for Van Halen three. Boo! Boo! Boo this man! Boo this man! Oh, right. Boo David this man. Lee Roth, or get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Sammy Hagar, if needed. Uh, March twenty fourth, In Sync releases their debut album, In Sync. Um, so we were getting into boy band mode at that point. Yeah. Um, April third, Dave Navarro is fired from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. To which most people go, Dave Navarro was, was in the, in the Red, Red Hot, Hot Chili Peppers. Peppers. 
um check out one hot minute uh music is my aeroplane bro um so what else do we got here april 7th george michael's arrested in beverly hills california for lewd conduct in the public restroom um a shame on those people uh just trying to have a good time uh <laughs> april 14th he was a good man um, and that all oh, they also outed him too. That's what outed George Michael, I believe. No. Uh, yes, was really? that incident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, uh, on top of that incident happening, that's what outed George Michael, wow. which was completely weird and inappropriate for that yeah. to happen because he was just trying to get his good. rocks off, man. Um, April 14th, the first VH1's Divas Live happened. I don't know if you remember this concert series, but as a child, it was, like, I very, do. like, big and made, like, the Divas a thing. Aretha Franklin performed, uh, Gloria Estefan, Celine Dion, Shania Twain, and Mariah Carey, which yes. really brought, like, Shania Twain into, and Celine Dion into the classic, right, like, Divas, right. um, thing. So I thought that was, like, I a, do remember that. Right. It was, like, a very big thing to happen. So that was the first time, uh, that took place that year. Um, a British court ruled on May. 8th that uh, Yoko Ono was correct and the rest of the Beatles live at the ha uh, Hamburg Star Club would not be released because they were owned outright by the Beatles oh. because it was their recordings um, so she got that blocked in a court so that was a big thing because uh, Beatles uh Hamburg recordings had been in like legal like jeopardy for a long time and they yeah. were finally brought back into the fold of the Beatles um, May 31st um, Jerry Hollowell, if that's how you pronounce her last name, I believe I'm pretty right there, uh, was leaving the Spice Girls at this point. So on May 31st, she left the Spice Girls permanently, and uh, we've been one member down of the Spice Girls ever since. Very sad. Um, up your life. Yep. April, no, I'm sorry, August 18th. Chord's third studio album, Follow the Leader, is oh, released. Oh, the one. Um, p Billboard number one, 2,600 uh, copies in the first week. Uh, it goes five times platinum, uh, 14 million copies. So it really blasted metal into the mainstream, as they say. Uh, what else do we got here? August 25th, Lauren Hill releases Miseducation of Lauren Hill, probably the album of the year. Um, it's such a great record, classic release. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, August 29th, the Bee Gees opened there only for one night tour in Dublin, Ireland. Very excited. Oh, wow. Dude, did you, when do you think uh, TRL happened? With the first episode of TRL. It was in 1998? It was September 14th, 1998. So wow. that was probably one of the biggest cultural things that happened wow. that year. I mean, that was... I thought that, that was way before. I thought that no, was happening yeah. like the early 90s. It was well, not. It makes sense, though, because you figure the height of TRL... That's what it it was. It was like I mean, and that that adds up too because like In Sync, yeah, releases their first record that year. The boy band, you That's know, the boom the right the there. Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera's, and then yep. all the offshoot the you know different versions of those things too. So yeah, October nineteenth, Cher releases Believe. Um, it is a huge song. It's off the album of the same name. Um, it was a big, huge record. Um. March 13th, 1990. Uh, oh, and it was went on to be the best-selling album in UK history. Um, on March 13th, 1988, uh, Believe became Cher's fifth number one single in the U.S. Um, so that was really exciting. Also, Cher is the only artist to have a number one in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, I believe. Wow. Um, so that's very exciting. October 23rd, Britney Spears releases 
uh, Baby One More Time, the oh, debut yeah. single. Um, it would become the top-selling single of 1999 the next year. Um, the copyright term extension law was passed in the United States, giving uh, people 20 more years of works created from 1923 onwards. Um, so that was big news. Uh, November 17th, The Offspring released Americana. Uh, it go on to be five times platinum. Which was really big. Had the song "Pretty Fly" for a white guy on it. Um, so yeah, that was the year 1998. I will close you guys out with the top ten songs of the year. Let's get it. Too close by Next. Oh, dancing that close. I don't know if that's that song. Um, is it? Yes. Okay. So we have The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Yeah. You Are Still oh. the One by Shania Twain. Oh. Uh, can I hear a little bit of The Boy Is Mine? Huh? Just a little bit of The Boy Is Mine. You can give me a little, little bit of it. What? A little singing of it. Which one? The Boy's Mine. The Boy's. Which one's the Boy? By Brandy and Monica. Oh, no. I don't remember how that one goes. Oh, God. Come on. You. I you thought you were going to ask. You were on Shania Twain. I thought you were going to ask me oh, to go for a little Shania Twain. <laughs> oh, you're still the one? Can you give me a little of that? Still the one. You're still the one I run to. The one that I belong to. Beautiful. You're still the one I kiss. Good night. So that would be your number three song of the year. Killer Thank slide you, guitar. Like Michael. a lap steel guitar. <laughs> Um, we're gonna go truly madly deeply by Savage Garden. Oh, oh, oh. How do I live by Lee and Rhymes? Oh. Together again by Janet. All my life by Casey and JoJo. Candle in the Wind, the 1997 Princess Diana tribute by Elton John. Rest in peace. Nice and slow by Usher. And rounding out number ten is I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole. Um, I'm going to give you the top-selling albums of the year. Okay. This list may or may not be factual. The only list I could <laughs> find was from the Tampa Times reporting on a Billboard list that I could no longer find. Number one. The Tampa Times. The Tampa Times. Um, <laughs> Titanic soundtrack uh, would be the number one-selling album of 1998. Celine Dion, Let's Talk About Love. Garth Brooks, Seven. Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Boys. Shania Twain. Come on over. We have number six, uh, Matchbox 20, Yourself or Someone Like You. Seven is City of Angels soundtrack. Eight is Will Smith, Big Willie Style. This is not, this is, oh, would this be of 1998? Yeah, that was 1997 that one was released. Um, eight, nine is Savage Garden, and ten is Spice, uh, Spice Girls, Spice World. So that may or may not be your list. It is from the Tampa Times. I could not find the top-selling albums Thanks, of 1998. Yeah, it you, is an unfindable list on the internet. Wow. Um, so Strange. leaving us there, 1998. Albums. What are our album picks? Um, I'll go first. Please. So I was trying to look at the – I was looking at the list of albums that were released, and there's albums that's on there that are on there that I look back at and go like, oh, yeah, that was a good record, or oh, yeah, that was a good record. But I was trying to think about what album actually came out in 1998 that I was actually listening to, and then it also made me chuckle because I was nine years old, and my album pick, because it was an album that I was actually listening to, was DMX's Flesh of My Flesh, oh. Blood of My Blood. Yeah. It was the follow-up album to It's Dark and Hell is Hot. There's all kinds of great collab, uh, you know, uh, features on there. Jay-Z's on there. Marilyn Manson is on there, and that song called The Omen, and it's just like Marilyn Manson's at the end, and he's just like, oh, what the hell is he chanting? You know, you're going to die today or something like that. <laughs> and uh, DMX is like going like, kill, 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 kill. He's like doing this whole thing. It's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, I listened back to this record today earlier 
and I was like sitting down and having dinner with my family and I have a <laughs> infant or a toddler son at my house and then I put it on and I was like, yeah, this is really not appropriate music to be playing around a three-year-old. And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, this is really inappropriate music for a nine-year-old to be listening to because that's how old that I was when I got it. But to be fair, this was the first record that I bought with my own money. I also tricked my mother into buying this album for me being Ooh. like, oh, it's not that bad. And then she heard it and she took it away. Ooh. Mom actually took it away. Alex is my brother, for those who don't know. Mom took... My mother took this CD away. I ended up finding it anyway. I ended up finding it in, I think, Dad's sock drawer. And um, I was, like, snuck listening to it and then would put it back. And it was this, like, weird sort of uh, (laughs) game with DMX's Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. So that is my pick for 1998. It is... There's there's all all kinds of inappropriate language and stuff. uh, But it's DMX, man. He's one of the greatest rappers of all time. And the, the first two albums... He's the second artist in history to have two debut to have two albums released in the same calendar year and both debut at number one. Wow. And Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood is certified three times platinum. So it's uh you know, it's it's a one of the monumental hip hop albums, folks. You know, and it's Yonkers, New York. He's a New York rapper, Swiss Beats. Uh, there's a couple other songs on the record that are produced by, um, I think Irv Gotti's on one, and then DJ something or other. But Swizz Beats predominantly does it. Gives you that nice sort of dark, uh, you know, sort of New York kind of sound. Some of the, you know, like the the fake the fake trumpet style sample thing that like oh, Rough yeah, Riders yeah. would be known to have and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's got uh, stuff like key- that on the there. keyboard trumpets. Yeah, um, the keyboard trumpets. So there you are, DMX. I love your album pick. Flesh my flesh, blood my blood. Um, shout out to our episode with Phil where we go hardcore yes. on that uh, HBO DMX documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, please check that out because we really dive deep into everything that DMX was and really uh, pay tribute yeah. to a legend. So find the link in the comments. <sighs> oh yeah, we'll put that link uh, oh, right ladies down and gentlemen, there. Jeffrey May. He's back in the studio. Jeffrey May is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Yay, Jeff. Can I add something to the year of 1998? Yes, uh, Notable events that you forgot. Um, In November, possibly the greatest song of all time was released, and that is the song Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey. (laughs) Wait, wait a minute, Jeff. Did he make the top... Singers of all time list in my heart. Oh. <laughs> was that your only addition for 1998? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. Lenny Kravitz releases "Fly." Everybody. Yeah. Um, so, Alex, you yeah. chose a uh, album for this. So let's hear what your pick yeah, is. Yeah. Um, my first time choosing an album for this. I was not born yet, but in retro, I looked at some of the albums. Yo, you weren't born yet. I, I was born in, in 1998. October of 1998. This album wasn't released yet. It was released oh, wow. before I was born, uh, March 31st, and it is uh, Gangstar's uh, album. Um, and it's their fifth album as a group. Um, and it was probably their most successful album, their top album ever released, and it released uh, number one on the. R&B hip hop albums billboard. Yeah. Um in its first week it sold 97k copies, physical copies sold. Um you know, Working is probably the most notable song on the album. It was used in like ESPN and a lot of other movies and mm-hmm. stuff. Um and it just has like a great beat and in 98 that's probably like the the only thing that I would recognize as probably my favorite. Um coming out of that Produced by Guru, and the final track, I think, is the only one that is produced with DJ Premier, who's a really big producer. Yeah, You really yeah. can't go wrong with DJ Premier. I'm not sure if that's who is on DMX's 
album as well. No, that was Swiss Beats. That Swiss Beats. Swiss Beats. But Premier Swiss did. Premier did. Mob Deep. Premier did. Yeah. I mean, the, the list goes oh, on. He runs on. deep. He runs deep. Yeah, he runs so, deep. So, uh, um, Gangstar's Moment yeah. of Truth. Yeah, Moment yeah, of Truth, man. That's is. one of my favorites, too. I love that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff uh, where gurus, you know, the message behind yeah. some of the music and stuff like that is kind of just like, hey, man, like, you know, this, like, street life is not really where it's at. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Be more Are you like. Working? Yeah, be more socially conscious, be more spiritually conscious, all that stuff. There's all kinds of yeah. It averaged stuff a, like that. over just over a four and a half or a, a four out of five of everything. You know, some eights and stuff, but overall, it averaged about a four out of five, which is pretty good. I mean, it was a really good album. Yeah, and for time. I mean, for '98 too. That and for especially for for sorry for a group like Gangstar, where they're kind of like you know. I, you could consider them older hat hip hop, right? This is they, their last. I think this is their last studio. Like album. their last big. Uh, yeah, yeah, their last. They might have been the. Album. They might have been the kind of the last group that made a big that was based around a single MC and a single DJ. Mm. Yeah, like the Pete Rock, uh, CL Smooth, like um, Eric B and Rock him. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and DJ Premier, you know, one of the greatest producers ever. Yeah, yeah. somebody who could completely capture, I think the new york sound you know like the sound yeah. of new york hip-hop it's all premiere it's that's he just embodies everything new york hip-hop to me anyway that's also uh this gangstar album uh tribe called quests uh third record and oh there was another one there was like most deaf and talib quali yes we're You're talking all about for 98 yes we're all released on yeah. the same day Oh, oh no way! Which That's is pretty cool. Very interesting. Yeah, so like one of the took the top. One of the best days for like hip hop releases like of all time. So, yeah. uh, pretty interesting wow. there in 1998. Uh, do you want me to uh, yes, please. Sure. to go? Yeah. I was super conflicted with this year. Because um, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, I did not listen to. A, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the records that were released in 1998. Um, and though there are like big records that I like, like the miseducation of Lauren Hill, they're not really things that I'm like jamming all the time. So I thought I'd just be really like honest with myself and, uh, the people of the show and pick probably what is not the oh. most culturally oh, no. like cool record, but the one I definitely listened to the most that was released in 1998. Big bad voodoo daddy. Nope. We are going with. <laughs> Bright Eyes, there it is. letting off the happiness. Um, this is the first release from Bright Eyes um, coming off his Prodigy Commander Venus project. This would be the first major release from the Bright Eyes band, which is Connor Ober's project uh, with other people augmented. Uh, you have Mike Mogus, who is the producer of this record and other member of Bright Eyes um, on this record. So... I chose this one because um, obviously not a record I listened to in 1998, but one I definitely listened to in high school so, so, so much and out of high school really fell in love with everything that this record stood for. And I think it really influenced um, a lot of music that came after it that I also enjoyed. Um, and so that being said, this is a really lo-fi affair. It's acoustic-y. It is moody. Is this the one that we were listening to earlier? And I was like, does that sound bad on purpose? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So uh, um, Different, but yes. Different, but yes. <laughs> That's so, what I meant. Um, I just want to shout out like some of the things that I really like about this record. Um, Pull On My Hair, a track on this record, is really, really great. It has... 
like synthy overtones and like dream yeah. poppiness, but it's still like one of those first like bedroomy styled songs that sounds releasable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is in it like, close to shoegaze, you think? Um it yeah, it has like yeah. overtones of like shoegazy like droopiness on it, um, with like super emo y lyrics. <laughs> but um the whole <laughs> vibe of it having like some of the electric uh stuff and then having like a acoustic song like June on the West Coast before yeah. it, which is really heartfelt and one of the best songs I believe on that record. Um also, when I was listening back, uh, The City as Sex is a classic. Like, all these are really, like, Tumblr-y and um, on the, of the MySpace era, even though this was released way before that. Yeah. Um, some of the songs air on the embarrassing emotional side, but we should still keep in terms with, like, Weezer's Pinkerton and other records where sometimes it's okay to be embarrassing if you're kind of in on it um the next album i think he would really turn a face to the i know who i am kind of thing with the reflection yep. of the fevers and mirrors the mirrors concept um but this record is uh just to start off of that and it also begins with the crazy um long intro that every bright eyes record has with the spoken word thing so um yeah, I think it holds up well. It is of the genre of music it is in. Neutral Milk Hotel, Elliot Smith. Yep. Um, this Bright Eyes record should be thrown in there. Um, I like this one because it has a bit more tones of like happiness or like upbeatiness. Um, and like where like right because it's not yeah, like all yeah. one tone like an Elliot Smith record is yeah. like one toned a lot. I'm gonna cry. Where it's just like all acoustic <laughs> and all sad. Where this is like. A little punky at times, yeah. a little like um, it has Pete, some speed to it. Yeah, a little Pete yeah. Seegery at times, yeah. and then like a little um, experimental and fun. So, yeah. um, probably not the record I'd say is probably the most critically best record of 1998. But this is my favorite record yeah. of 1998. We got Bright Eyes letting off the happiness. Um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, can you switch out here on camera and give us your favorite or off camera, whatever you would like, and give us your favorite record of 1998? Uh, yeah, I'll just do it from here. Cool. Um, my favorite record of 1998 is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, yep. which was, um, I would say, the first album by a woman that I deeply got into. I bought it when I was probably 15 years old from Walmart. Um, famously, this album only has a clean version. There's like some break spaces where she would curse, but it's only been released as a clean version. Um, I still remember seeing the music video for do Wop that thing, which is mm -hmm. like the whole city is on a turntable. It's a very cool video. Um, this is like, if not my absolute favorite female album ever, it's on the short list. I, when we did our favorite female albums, I think last year, it probably was my number one and it would probably be right up, right up there still. Um, I do have a runner up that it, it really was a toss-up because i loved miseducation of lauren hill but this other album i also really enjoy which is the third album by outcast called equemini um it was the first outcast album i ever bought and it's their most psychedelic record and spodiote dopalicious is maybe my favorite outcast song so that was very close it was like a 1a 1b type thing but uh miseducation of lauren hill which you know won what five to seven grammys that year yeah. and was her only solo release um and was a huge like turning point in the mixing of r&b and hip-hop music especially from a female um performer and uh it's still just a high watermark so 
right on, Jeffrey. Yeah. I'm glad you were here to shout out that. Yeah, we're, yes. you made it in time, man. Yeah, yeah. outcast. Um, honorable uh, mentions. Yeah, I was gonna say honorable mentions. Yeah. I got a couple. What do you got, Michael? Um, so Hellbilly Deluxe, Rob Zombie was released in 1998. Can't forget <laughs> the zombie himself. <laughs> Devil Without a Cause from Kid Rock was released that year. If I'm being, my real, name is. If, if I'm gonna be really, really honest, that was probably the one you listened to the most. That year. absolutely the oh, number no. one record I listened to without a doubt in my mind. I know every song. I could rap you bars from that oh, whole cringe, record. Dude. Yeah, it's I like terrible. The sal- <laughs> that's cringe. I, I like terrible. I like the saloon, the saloon <laughs> piano interlude in the center of Cowboy, where it breaks into that like. <laughs> Tell Motown to come back we've home, got, motherfucker. We've got, I got some more. I got some more. Uh, Capital Punishment from Big Pun yep. was released that year. Volume 2, Hard Knock Life, that's Jay-Z, was released that year. Uh, Hello Nasty from the Beastie Boys re- was released that year. Madonna's Ray of Light. Uh, follow the Leader from Korn. I want to give you... Yeah, Follow the Leader by Korn. That's a great record. I'm going to give you another... All my 1998 records are so cringe. The other one I have that I absolutely <laughs> love but am so embarrassed by is uh, the Cuckoo Koo Dolls, Dizzy no. Up the Girl. No, oh. do not. Don't you dare feel cringe um, or embarrassed by that. I did because I not went back once. and I listened to it, and there are some terrible cringy no, songs. No, <laughs> it's um, the Cuckoo Koo Dolls. I'm going to shout out that record because I, I do like it, though. Yeah. I like it for nostalgic remembrance, and uh, it's pretty good. Slide. Yeah. Do you guys have any more? Do you yeah, have any honorable mentions? I have uh, I have three quick. Uh, Jeff mentioned Aquemini. I love that one. The Art of Storytelling. Aquemini itself. Great song. I actually listened to it in the gym the other day, so it was funny that we came around to this. I was listening to it, and I was like, oh, man, like this is heavy for lifting, <laughs> for doing back workouts right now. <laughs> um, Fugazi, a band I, I really do like, more punky. Um, they have an album, End Hits, and they're like a really community-centered band, just really heavy, fast-hitting. One of my old coworkers no longer works with me. Um, showed me Fugazi and uh, I really appreciated that and then two you mentioned Luke Neutral Milk Hotel in the aeroplane over the sea slow sad not the greatest voice but an album I do enjoy and then Elliot Smith XO sad uh, sad boy hours also let's shout out Mermaid Avenue by Wilco and Mermaid. Mermaid thank you Black Lock Pop. Um, you know the uh, album of oh what Mermaid is his Avenue. name? Woody Guthrie songs. It's uh, uh they took the Woody Guthrie catalog and gave it to uh uh Billy Bragg and Wilco and they reimagined these songs that had never been uh released in any form before oh, other yeah. than words. So very exciting. That's cool. Cool cool release. Jeff? Any honorable mentions? The Titanic soundtrack. Yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I did listen to that a lot in nineteen ninety eight. Oh come on now. Sitting in my room with my C D player. Um, You're here. Yeah, no, my only honorable mention is the Outcast record. Yep. Right on. All right. Well, there you have it. 1998, what are your some favorite albums? Devil Without a Cause. I'm going platinum. <laughs> going platinum. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Iggy Fest. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hoffner Guitars. I have here the Hoffner Shorty. It is a full-scale, travel-sized guitar. You can find this and all of their products at HoffnerGuitars.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Get in the Garage. 
We're a music podcast. For music lovers. Jeffrey is back in frame. Yay. The Trinity is restored. We are back in action. Thank you again to Alex, producer extraordinaire, for anytime, anytime. for sitting in in a moment of uh, in a moment of need in, in, in a clutch moment. So we appreciate need. that. Thank you, Alex. Um, yes, onward we go to our Iggy Fest, as they say. Jeffrey, would you like to usher us into uh, into the the opening ceremony? Uh, I will. I- Iggy here. Pop, um, considered the godfather of punk music. Was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1947. His real name is Jim Osterberg Jr. He uh, was the lead singer of The Stooges. And we are going to discuss three of his albums from his career because his newest album was released this week. And uh, he's 75 years old. He is shirtless 98% of the time. (laughs) He has the tanned leather skin of a Comanche Indian chief. Um, And he is one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest figures in American and rock and roll music history. Yeah. Um, He's an artist I didn't get into until I was in my mid-20s, I would say at least. Um, I just never sought out the Stooges. Or maybe I was never like a punk guy Mm. and since they were kind of like the first punk kind of group i always was like oh well that's gonna be even rougher and worse than the shit i don't like (laughs) Uh, which is not true though because uh as we will discuss with this first album the stooges self-titled album released in 1969 um their music was more of like kind of like an angrier dirtier younger version of like kind of like the doors aesthetic sure um, mixed with some like velvet underground, hypnotic, trancey kind of grimy stuff. Um, what do you guys think about that first Stooges album? I mean, I myself am a Funhouse guy. I think if I if I'm reaching for a Stooges record, that's the first one that I reach for. But it was fun listening to this album. Going back and listening to this one again, probably the Stooges album that I've listened to the least, or oh, I reach yeah. for. The least, I don't know, Raw Power, I don't really listen to that one a whole a whole bunch either. However, that being said, yeah, I mean, I like this record, man. There's there's some great moments on here. There's some doomy moments, which I think is really cool, too, considering it's, uh, what, it's 1969. 69, so. It's 1969, 19, baby. Yeah, 69. Um, I, I, I love this record. I like it. There's some, there's one sort of sore spot for me on the sore album. spot i think we'll, we'll get to that but uh so like jeff said this is doors reflecting um it's on the same record label electro records danny fields uh famous manager signed uh the stooges and the mc5 on the same day both from ann arbor michigan um and the Stooges album is produced by legendary velvet underground member john kale which is also of note. So Electra Records took um, knew kind of what to do without their artists and let an outside artist produce this relatively unknown band. Um, I think it's of note that these songs sound like they're not quite baked in a good and bad way, um, in the greatest way and in the worst way. Um, I'm going to say there's three real songs on here. Um, that were probably songs before they went in the studio. That's 69, uh, Dog, and um, uh, No Fun. Uh, everything else seems like it was kind of written in the studio in Jammy. Uh, I love this record because I think it is 
what punk is the punk thing is the best which is attitude above anything else and the attitude of this record is that um outsider um nobody gets me aggressive um sexual and weird ways um it has all of that baked into one which makes it a very exciting record for its time and even if it's day um also you said like stooges records you listen to this is the first one i listened to i bought this at the music box in providence rhode island on cd on my birthday when i was 20 years old um and the record clerk was very impressed with it and it made me very satisfied and happy yeah um yes it, like you were the cool youngster buying a oh, stooges album buddy the guy like talked he's like this is a great record he's like this is really cool and i felt so cool and then i put it on <laughs> in the car i didn't get it to like six months to like two years later yeah uh but you know it's a great record, man. It's a great, and I, and I love it too because it brings some of that, like you know, kind of like Black Sabbath would do a year or two later. You know, it brings in this sort of like dark kind of element to what would be the sort of like flower, peace, and love, like hippie thing of the late nineteen sixties. This is like spitting in your face, and you know, just raw, just aggression. Even the even the fuzz on this album. It just sounds, you know, if you're if you're looking at like the fuzz that say maybe you know the Rolling Stones had used or like the fuzz, you know, it's just got this big gnarly, gnarly, crazy fuzz, especially like in the beginning of "I Want to Be Your Dog" and then the the chromatic kind of thing going on. It's just, I love it. I think it's, it's we will fall. Timing was. The studio creation, uh, which is like the monk <laughs> oh, uh, Byzantine chanting, uh, Jeff into that song i think this is a a perfect side a which is 1969 i want to be your dog and we will fall and then side b is a little less for me um a little fact about this album this was produced by john kale who oversaw the recording but the when they turned in the tapes to electra they rejected his mix because it was like tamer and like more experimental and didn't capture like the live angriness of the band so Iggy Pop and Electra founder and president uh, Jacques Holdsman went into the studio and like mixed it louder and grittier and more gain uh, you can find the John Cale original mix though on all like the deluxe issues yeah. um, that's a great point because and they're cool to A and B because they aren't really that much different it's just like you jam up the volume on the one yeah, that was released more rough yeah um do you have any other thoughts or you want to give this a ranking, um, a rating? I would say this is like a eight, but it's like so classic in every other way. kind of like bumps up to a 10. Uh, my other final note is I don't think there's a better uh, like sexually charged song ever written than I Want to Be Your Dog. Um, it's up there. It's really weird for its time. It's still weird for its time. Uh, it's such good and such a bold statement. So uh, that's what I'm the best with. song about S and M featuring Jingle Bells. Uh, that's, <laughs> Dude, that's Jingle what Bells I, and hand claps. Thank Jeffrey. And thank you. Two note piano chords the whole time. Ding, ding, thank ding, you ding, for ding, expressing ding, what ding, I ding. couldn't say. Yes. Uh, would you give it eight five or eight? I'd, I'd say I said eight. 
Eight. I'll I'll go with you there. I'll meet you there. I think it's a solid eight as well. It's great. It's uh, the proto punk thing, which you know, if you want to go to proto stuff, which is, I'm always like a really big fan of the proto stuff. You know, this is on the same thing as like blue cheer being proto metal. It's the same thing as you know, it's that kind of thing where it's like this is really the birth place of like loud heavy rock and roll like blues and r&b influence rock and roll this is just another one of those offshoots and then everything that was to come afterwards was you know heavily influential on uh, everything that followed and now we have bands like the ocs and and uh you know all that kind of stuff so solid eight for me this is an eight five for me this is the first stooges album first iggy album i got into um like mike said i do like funhouse more uh but this is a very solid band they released three albums in their like first incarnation and they're all great albums right on the second album in our three album retrospective is iggy pop's second studio solo release it's called lust for life it was released in 1977. It's nine songs. It's about 42 minutes long. Uh, produced by Iggy Pop, David Bowie, his close friend, and Colin Thurston, the um, engineer. It was recorded in West Berlin, where Iggy and David Bowie were both um, like kind of sequestered. Exiled. To, exiled to get over their drug habits, but in a way, like get deeper into their drug habits, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's a very cool album. It's known, especially for its title song, Lust for Life, which I think is track one. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about this album? Oh, and also the very famous cover. Can you give us the cover, Luke? Give oh. us your impression of the cover. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and like I was saying to Mike the other day, uh, the iconic cover shot, the photographer, which I don't know his name, uh, said, I captured... Um, not Iggy, but um, like James, like who he was yeah. as a real person in that shot. And um, and you like, don't have the name of the middle school photographer that took the picture. <laughs> oh, it's so for his yearbook. <laughs> it's like he took it backstage on most a talk likely show. to smear himself with peanut butter. That was his superlative. <laughs> uh, he's about uh, sing while eating broken glass. <laughs> he's about to go on uh, a talk show before that photo was taken. So that's like the mood he was in. Like, <laughs> oh, a talk- like, yeah. So, yeah. So he's very like, oh, I'm I'm here to talk. No, be- I am not on six pounds of cocaine right they, now. Thank you. <laughs> no. Um, Who Iggy? So old Iggy. Iggy pops lust for life. Um, the idiot precedes it, it earlier in the year. Recorded before. This is. Iggy Pops, I think the idiot was a, an artsy record, an experimental record. Um, this is, I think, was was meant to be Iggy Pops' um, real uh, thrust into stardom. I think this was a real try for it. Um, this is a very strong record. I think um, Iggy wrote a lot of his best material. I think he would ever write um, landed on this record. Mm. Um, it seems that the production is really um, favored or helped by David Bowie in contrast with like the other output of Iggy Pop's solo career. Mm. It seems very focused here, um, very much in like the glammy Bowie sense, mm-hmm. but also a lot in what Iggy Pop had laid in the foreground um, in like heavier rock um what benefits here is like bridgey uh bridges and choruses and song structure where iggy wouldn't really know how to structure a song like that being more of a lyrics and feel kind of guy um so i think that's where the album is really really helpful um and then song content 
it's one of his best records. I mean, um, I told Mike the other day, "Turn Blue" is probably my favorite Iggy Pop song. It's oh, so okay. it's really like I mean, solo stuff, not yeah, Stooges, yeah. but you know, very yeah. whew, heavy song. Good, good stuff on here. I really enjoyed this record. I was shocked to find out that this was recorded in eight days. This album was completed oh, really? in like eight days. Oh yeah, it was like a rapid fire record 1970 style dude just straight up and um i like this not a lot of sleep in those eight days it's uh no none at all well the whole i think the i i think i had seen a quote where iggy pop was just like oh david bowie's a fast guy and he always works fast so i felt like i had to keep up with him keep up with him he works fast yeah right so they recorded the album in eight days which is pretty even even fueled with cocaine is still pretty impressive (laughs) that's a month on cocaine (laughs) that's a month At the very least. So I enjoyed it. I thought there was some cool stuff. Uh, you know, we talked about Lou Reed's Transformer. I was going to say, was... how did you think it related? Because I think it sounds somewhat similar, but very much more masterful. Right. And, and that's the thing, too, because Transformer was, what, 72? So this is five years later. So, you know, Bowie definitely has his uh, space dust that he sprinkles on this record for sure. There's some cool moments. Um uh, what did I write down? Uh, I thought the song uh, Tonight had some Bowie sort of stuff kind of thrown over it. Uh, some weird sin. It's like Bowie meets like Josh Hom. There's this sort of thing that I noticed where I'm like, oh, I can hear where Josh Hom was getting some of his influences from this because you get that sort of. I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but it's oh, that. Also, some weird sin sounds like. I know you probably don't know the song, but also sounds a lot like Mission to Burma's. Sometimes I reach for my revolver in the way that Iggy Pop goes. Sometimes I uh, reach for that weird si- uh, that some weird sin. Yeah, yeah. And they steal the hook and say, "So I reach for my revolver," and like a lot of the same kind of lyrical uh, melody ways. But uh, yeah, like Josh Homet. It's that it's got that vibe. I found, I found there were three songs that I had starred that I thought sounded sort of that Josh Homme like influence. Uh, Some weird sin, the passengers, uh, and fall in love with me. I thought those three songs I heard like a vocal delivery that I thought was like, oh okay, I can hear some of this Josh Homme influence. I think fall in love with me has. Is that the one? Yeah, it's got like a guitar sound that's like in the room, but it's not like a f- it doesn't sound like the mic is right up against the the amp. It sounds like it's kind of in the room. Anyway, yeah, I thought it was recorded really well. I think it, the album sounds really cool. This was my first time listening to this album. I haven't re- I've heard the song Lust for Life, but I have never actually sat down and listened to this album in full. And it was very interesting to listen to these albums in succession as well to hear that sort of hear that sort of thing but i couldn't help but always you know as as luke and i said uh, the transformer thing because for me that's my reference point so i go okay well here's bowie collaborating with another person that person's the solo artist and david bowie's kind of the guy you know at the control room or whatever so yeah also, i enjoyed it i thought it was good tonight the song you mentioned sounding very bowie was covered by bowie and would end up on his album yeah like six tonight. years later yes yeah. so uh yeah very- to say this is like there's some Bowie influence. Bowie wrote like 80% of the music on this album. Yeah. So, and he did backup vocals on most tracks and he did piano type stuff, keyboards, organ on a bunch of songs. Um, like I think some weird sin is the one that has a lot of like fuzzed out low octave organ stuff. Uh, all also over great it. cowbell on that track. Yeah. <laughs> um, claps. And this is 10 years into his career and this is like more realized and adult, so to speak, compared to the Stooges stuff. Um, it's a little bit more sophisticated. It reminded me of 
kind of in a way like another person who you said Josh Homie takes stuff from Bowie and from Lou Reed and from Iggy Pop but um the latest like Arctic Monkeys style oh, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. cuz there's some of that like kind of almost ironic keyboard stuff on this right. album there's some of that kind of almost ironic like soulful crooniness on this album yep. um which I think Iggy Pop does very well is that kind of like the Frank Sinatra of the gutters. You know, I don't know. Like, yeah, because does that if Frank times. Sinatra but, was a New York City rat. But <laughs> that's why. That's what makes a song like "Turn Blue" on here so good. Right. Is where he's like doing that croon, and he yeah. comes in on the yeah. no, no, like Elvis yeah, yeah. would do. Right. So funny and good, yeah. and also what he says like, <laughs> Jesus, this is Iggy, it's a Ziggy. which is like really funny because like it's he's laying down. And he's like, all right, I'm a junkie, man. Like I know. Like yeah. that's the whole song. It's. The Junkie Lament, it's very interesting and uh, yeah, great record. This was the first time I had listened to it um, in full since I was like 20 years old, so in about almost like 15 so years. So it's, it's been yeah. some time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, some ratings? I'm going to give this a 9.5. Whoa. Wow. I really Holy like bananas. this record. Holy bananas. Um, right. I think it holds up. I think it's Iggy Pop's best solo record um i think i mean like one two with like if whatever yeah, you're yeah. feeling that day if you're feeling more synthy you go with the idiot if you're feeling right. more rock and roll um you can go with this um i feel like this is like you said the mat- it's the matured out version of him and uh just for the effacing turn blue um to come back from what you were um like what he was in the Stooges was like, you know, you really had like run that dry of like the nihilistic like mm. person into like come back and self-efface with like an album that talks about this in a lot of interesting ways is uh really cool. Right so, on. Nine five. Uh, I'm going to go eight five. I really like this album. I think it's cool. Uh, I'm a Stooges guy at heart. So, you know, but I also love David Bowie and I love what David Bowie does all over this record as well. Strong eight five for me, man. I like this album. Yeah, I'd say this is a nine for me. Um, I think it's it's a great album. I wouldn't say it's flawless, but like it's pretty pretty. It's up not. There. It's yeah. got like its flaws, but it's got so much character that it kind of yeah. like grows on you depending on who you are. Yeah, the um, flaws for me are more like I'm not fully into this style of thing. Yes, but like if I loved this style of music, this is like the one. Right. right. Um, before we leave. Can we just talk about the rhythm on uh, the song Lust for Life, which everybody has probably heard, but yeah. uh, the yeah. rhythm track on that. Is, is that the, dum, are you going to be my dum, girl? Dum, yeah, dum, yeah. Dum, dum, yeah, dum, right. Dum, dum. Yeah. Um, one of the best rhythms of all time. Also, I showed it to Mike the other day. Every 16 bars on the intro, another instrument is added, added that yeah. adds to the rhythm and adds this like crazy David Bowie, Phil Spector thing that is like really cool. Yeah. Um, so as before we leave, shout out to that. Shout out to Lust for Life. And the third album we're going to talk about, the newest release from 75-year-old Iggy Pop. It's his 19th studio album. It's called Every Loser. It is 11 songs. It's still a cool, crisp 37 minutes long. It's produced by Watt, Andrew Watt, who is one of the big producers.
producers currently. He won the Grammy for Producer of the Year last year. He produces for Justin Bieber and Post Malone and Dua Lipa. And Ozzy Osbourne. And Ozzy Osbourne. He's a guitar player. He's a, he's a very good guitar player. Um, he plays guitar on every track on this album, and he does backing vocals. He plays bass on a few songs. He does programming. He does keyboards on six, seven songs. Um, this is a cool album uh, mixed by Alan Mulder, who is the longtime collaborator with Nine Inch Nails, with mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins. Um, this features a lot of like his... F- Iggy Pop's friends in music um, because all of the musicians on this album are people you know. So that's... Oh, go for it. Duff McKagan on bass on a few tracks from Guns N' Roses. Chad Smith, drummer for Red Hot Chili Peppers, plays drums on like 80% of the album. Josh Klinghoffer, formerly of Red Hot Chili Peppers, plays guitar on a few tracks, keyboards a few tracks. Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam plays on a song. Travis Barker drums on a song. Taylor Hawkins plays drums on a couple songs. Uh, Chris Cheney and Eric Avery, both formerly bassists of Jane's Addiction, play on a song or two each. Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction plays on a song, plays on, I believe, the last song. Um, Presented by Taco Bell. Yes. And that's that's all the artists on, on this album. It's Iggy Pop and a dozen dudes who are all mid forties to 60 year old, like fucking 30 year old music scene veterans. Yeah. Right. Um, and it doesn't sound like a bunch of old dudes playing in a room. Like, Oh, not at all. Watts, you know, being a younger guy, I believe he's in his early thirties being the producer and guitarist on everything. He kind of modernizes it, but it's not like, Hey, I'm an old man trying to sound cool. It still sounds like an Iggy pop record. Um, vocally, he does the old like leather throated, like uh, on a, a couple songs, but on like the really punky things. He's like shredding it out. And he sounds, he sounds 21 on yeah, he a bunch sound of these bad. songs. Yeah. His voice sounds pretty youthful still. Yeah. It, yeah. On the punk stuff, it did sound youthful in into it. Um, I don't know if I was uh, into it. Um, I'm more into his croony style as he's gotten mm-hmm. older. Um, I fell in love with, uh, post, uh, pop depression. Mm-hmm. that was produced by Josh Hame a couple years ago um, and was really into that, and he did that on that record. This is a mixture of those two styles, mm-hmm. like you had said. Um, I'm not sure I liked it all that much. Um, it seemed like it's it's. I couldn't tell if it was like the record company was like, put, put some couple fast ones on there. And like maybe he was like, okay, I'll just do that, even though I kind of maybe wanted to like – write more um personal styled songs um the croony style song i think stands out the most for me on here would be um new atlantis where he um Mm -hmm. writes this like love letter to where he's lived for i believe like the past like 10 or 20 years miami um and it's not my favorite song on earth but it's the most artistically fruitful on here that tells me who Iggy Pop is in this current 75-year-old age. He's a man who loves Miami, and I can get into that. I can get into leather-skinned Iggy Pop living in Miami singing about, like, what goes on there. He um, to wear a shirt ever. That's why. Right. <laughs> That's why um, he loves it. No sunscreen I, ever. And I liked tracks like that where I'm like, I can get into this even though it's not my favorite style. It was more, like, done like the modern rock pop production, which was, you know, but... um. That was more interesting where, like, I didn't really like it was Neopunk and, and Frenzy where, like, he was like, this is shit 
and fucking this and like i felt like it was vulgar for like kind of like the reason just to be vulgar um and i feel like those were waters we had treaded with like cock in my pocket back in like 1974 it's um, a rooster for crying out loud. <laughs> it's a metaphor <laughs> so do you know what i'm saying um so yeah. like i felt like it was a bit un- unnecessary but like we said like the product it sounds good it's just not artistically what i'm like really craving from an iggy pop at this age um also to note like you said all these great um cool guys on here this is the same like crew that recorded the ozzy osbourne record Mm. that we reviewed a few months ago um chad smith was on drums for like all of that record Mm. duff was on that record the only person that's uh was really on the ozzy record that's not on here is um Um, rob Rob Trujillo from metallica so i thought that was very interesting to note that this um producer seems to andrew watt seems to have a uh wrecking crew of like classic musicians who are now making classic backing tracks for these older uh rock stars it seems and it seems like it's working really well um this album is really good if you are an iggy pop fan you kind of want to hear him just do that style or if you want to hear him like punk rock out um so that's what i'm kind of leaving it where are you uh i'm be honest i hated (laughs) uh What's the Atlantis, the new Atlantis song? Sure. I hated that song. I don't like any of the croony stuff that he does on this record. I don't love it. I hate it, actually. You know, I don't need two spoken word interludes on an album either. Those are my favorite tracks, maybe. Those were absolutely (laughs) my favorite tracks as well, Jeff, because it let me know who he was. He's a goddamn weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care that you're a weirdo. I want a whole album of just wear some some sunscreen. Yeah. Uh, I like the faster stuff. I really didn't really care for the slower stuff. Um, what the hell is the Regency anyway? Oh my god! Um, Yo, that, I hated <laughs> that was a that. good song. Yo, I hated that <laughs> song. What the fuck <laughs> is the Regency? The Regency are, are people appointed to positions of power? Oh, so all right, could, I get you, it. You know, a region. It could be you know Supreme Court turnover that happened in the past year. It could be. It's all political. What happened yeah. to just be like, this is no fun, no fun. No like, fun. Well, I had to look up the what the fuck regions but I, means. I have to but Google I, words now. I have to expand my vocabulary. How dare you? How does he go from from rubbing peanut butter all over his body to using confusing? Uh, he's wearing a powdered words. wig and he has a he's a quill ready yeah. about the regions. Um, fuck the regency. Did you guys like morning show? I thought that was a really strong track on here. That was the one. <laughs> you wanna, okay, you want to hear my notes for morning show? Morning show dash. Blah. <laughs> I, I only wrote down I my three favorite songs. Oh, I didn't. Was, I didn't like the slow that stuff. That was the one was like, I put on my morning face. I see. I like okay. that song because I was like, yeah, that's Iggy Pop at seventy five. I get that it's an artist, more of an artistic statement than like the neo punk and like the faster stuff. Frenzy. I don't like that. Song oh, I either. like that song. But I like what I really like. We are, we are what I really liked, divided. Listen, what what I really liked was the Jimmy Kimmel live performance of Frenzy, where he's out of tune like, the oh, entire oh, time, and he looks like a microwaved mushroom. <laughs> it just looks. He looks so terrible. <laughs> like, what um, the hell is going they, on? That band performed. Chad Smith was in the ba- band. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Duff was up there. Were, yeah. The dude from uh, was up there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, Jeff. How did you feel about um, this album? Because I'm, I'm. Uh, yeah. Well, sound-wise, like I, I liked. Um, I thought Watt did a good, like Ron Ashton, James Williamson impression. Uh, those were the two lead guitars from the early days of the Stooges. Um, I thought I liked, especially the two tracks drum-wise that Taylor Hawkins played on, mm. which were the Closer Regency and like 
track nine, which I think was called Comments. They're like that that Taylor Hawkins like hard rock yeah. disco type of stuff. Um, I liked Frenzy because of the vocal performance. Mm. Um, because I can, I mean, everything has pitch correction on it to a point nowadays, but you, I can tell when it's like, yeah, this has been really fudged with, and that didn't sound like that. It sounded like real vocals and he sounded youthful and young and it, it sounded good. Um, my, my issues with this album are like the same issues I just have with this genre, which is like, whatever the messaging is, it's like. I, I just let the dude do his thing because some of the songs he's trying to like the deep metaphors that don't land or whatever. It's like, who cares? Cause he's also like singing lyrics about like my cock and my two balls and stuff. So it's like, yeah, right, right. or like there was a song, <laughs> there's a song he, he, he rhymed bird with turd on one song. <laughs> Yo, that's where I'm at on this record. Because like post-pop depression. He's a poet. Is, Jeff, is, you wouldn't get it. Post-pop <laughs> depression from a couple years ago is not written like this. It's written like really artfully and yeah, like yeah. interesting. And all yeah, the songs sure. are like really scaped out nice. Where this is more of like a punk rock like circle jerk kind of in a way. Which I don't yeah. think is like... F- you know but well how we talked about on previous episodes about how like pop punk has made a resurgence resurgence in the last year yes i i not that there's anything to forgive but like i forgive what he's doing on this because he hooked up with the biggest producer in the game today he made an album that sonically sounds good it's not like fucking lulu by lou reed and metallica like it's (laughs) it sounds good and yeah. I think he's probably Ooh. trying to do like this is my last year or two of trying to play some bigger stages, connect with the 15 to 25 year old generation as the founder of this type of music. And because I don't know, like the bat, like you named the track Morning Show, and it's like that in one ear and out the other. But to me, it wasn't like a bad song. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's it, like we said it's about attitude, it's about performance, it's about the whole like packaging and just putting yourself out there as an artist. It's not like what notes you're hitting and what the guitar is playing necessarily for this kind of music. Yeah, so, so I thought is, it was fine. It's, he is he is taking his godfather of punk like thing right. and kind of like being like I'm doing in the new generation and it's cool like I let Ozzy get away with it. I'm just a bit more critical on like an Iggy yeah. Pop cuz I'm like you know. you know better. Oh, see, I I'm not because he has done so much weirdness in his career that it's like, hey, you want to make an accessible thing that might try to get on modern rock radio, one or two tracks, whatever, man, because it's di- mm-hmm. different than doing like yeah, spoken word soup. And, oh, like, I'm um, I'm down. Yeah. I'm just like I'm I'm make Lulu. I'd rather you make Lulu. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, well, let's do ratings then, real quick, because this is the new album review of the week, after all. All right, Luke, hit us. I'm gonna hit this. <laughs> For this, um, a six because okay. it's again, I it's a it's a fine record. Um, just some of the writing's lazy, and um, you know that's really and you all the things I said. You know, it's a six. That's where I'm at. That's I'll where go I'm for the it. same. I'll go for the same rating. I'll say it's a six two, just the opposite side of that coin where Luke liked maybe some of the croonier sort of slow down stuff and wasn't really a big fan of the faster stuff. I'm the opposite end. I didn't take. You know, I didn't like that slower stuff as much, but I did like the higher pace stuff. And like Jeff said, I mean, his voice sounds great screaming into a microphone still. So credit where credit is due. So, uh, yeah, I'll say six as well. 
Uh, this is in the journey zone for me. This is a seven um, <laughs> because like that journey record we we reviewed a couple months ago, this is to me uh, an old guard dude making an album trying to be modern and like push it to the masses. And it doesn't sound like a sellout money grab bullshit badly done auto-tune to death thing yeah like this is a fine record if you like iggy pop check it out because you'll be like oh the dude's still doing it and he's 75 years old and he's still rocking and reeling and shirtless and screaming to a mic and if i don't know yeah if you're looking for some artistic thing this isn't what it is yeah well there you have it what do you guys think do you like the new iggy pop do you like lust for life do you like the first two record What's the best era of Iggy Pop? Tell us in the comments below, guys. There you have it. Episode number, what would 127. this be? 127 has come to a close. But before we officially say goodbye, like, comment, subscribe, drop us a line. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Also, we take requests. So if you have any requests that you'd like to uh, you know, hear us talk about or anything like that as well, go ahead jot that down also rate us on apple uh uh apple podcasts as well please because that definitely helps awaken the primordial algorithm all that good stuff until next week guys this has been getting the garage we'll see you next time